You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. that I produce a gaming podcast. Now that may sound like an odd statement coming from someone who's been podcasting for eight years. However, it's because of how I view our podcast. I think of them more as just sitting around, shooting the breeze about things I'm interested in with buddies and cool industry folks. I don't see For the Lore as being part of the gaming news machine. I made a tweet the other day about a subject that has been really pissing me off as of late, and that's the fact that damn near every news post regarding Metal Gear Solid V has used Quiet, the bikini-clad sniper, as the post image. It's not enough that the character is one of the most misogynistic pieces of bullshit created in recent years, or that Kojima has tried to shame us because of how we're interpreting the character. No, now we have to put up with moronic editing staff, most led by prepubescent boys apparently, who feel the need to use quiet for nearly all MGS articles, even if they're not even about quiet. Because, of course, all the boys will click those tits and read the posts. Now, as I'm tweeting my frustration about this, which is apparent just by my voice right now, I was thinking that we need to get more people in the gaming industry to speak out against this misogynistic bullshit. And then it occurred to me that I actually produce hey, a gaming podcast. Convenient. <laughs> Again, I don't equate what we do to large news sites, but it's not about how loud individual voices are, but rather the collective voice that matters. Now... We are going to be said, talking we can about be pretty goddamn loud when we want oh, to. Oh, I know I can. <laughs> I get yelled about it often. There's going to be some spoilers here, and okay. if you don't know that uh, or whatever, if you care about this game, then stop listening. Also, and I've said this at different podcasts, people should know my character enough by now that I don't agree or put up with this kind of bullshit to know that if you're the kind of person that thinks that this is all right this is not the right podcast for you to be listening to anyways and nothing we say will change your mind about being an idiotic boy so let's move on a lot of people had been somewhat distressed about quiet by the pictures that came out before the game even came out and wondering how exactly a bikini clad woman in a thong and ripped stockings works as a sniper why is this happening? And in one quote, Kojima actually said that he wanted to make a more erotic character. Now, he later said that he was, there was a mistranslation, and that's not what he said. And he said, she's a really unique character. I wanted to add that sexiness to her. It wasn't really supposed to be erotic, but sexy. I know there's people concerned about quiet, but don't worry. I created her character as an antithesis to the women characters appeared in the past fighting game who are excessively exposed. Quiet, who doesn't have a word, will be teased in the story as well. But once you recognize the secret reason for her exposures, you will feel ashamed of your words and deeds. Now, the reason she is a bikini-clad sniper is because she got a virus. No, and no virus. What's that? Not a virus, a mutation. A muti- well, yeah, but it was because of some virus, they said. 
it's a living entity to, that it consumes or that that it's it feeds off a host body. It's it's a parasite, not really. A well, it's sorry, right, a parasite, whatever. Anyways, it makes a difference. It, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's the most made up <laughs> piece will, of shit. It doesn't matter. Don't worry. Oh my god. And because of this. She uses photosynthesis to both absorb air and water and nutrients. Again, there was, he wanted this objectified excuse for a woman in his game and came up with the most ridiculous concept possible. And he partially used one that's already been in another Metal Gear Solid game. However, that character, The End, which, what the fuck is with these names? The End, well, he was an old dude. He was fully closed. Mm-hmm. This one mm-hmm. here, not so much. She has to... Because he didn't pre- have tits. Well, he that's had kind of those, like, old man tits. The old ones, you, know you really don't need boobs, to see those. Boobs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, instead, you get this ridiculous ridiculous plot device that allows him to put her in there. But again, when you look at all of the stupidity with how she behaves as well, which is so much more apparent once you watch the video where they switched her for Ocelot and you see (laughs) him doing what she does, then you realize, Oh my God, this is horrible. From the shower scene to the splashing around in the water to the yoga. What the fuck is that shit in the helicopter? (laughs) Who does yoga in the middle of a helicopter? What the hell is going on? Put your ass down for Christ's sakes. And again, this idea of you will be ashamed for thinking that we were doing wrong by this character. We are not like the others, these fighting games that, barely close their women. No, we're different. That is the most insulting piece of shit that it just, there's not a lot of things about the gaming industry that really like rile me up to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm pissed. <laughs> this is one of them. This is, I, it well, bothers me to no end. She doesn't speak. What's she, that? And add to that, she doesn't really speak. I know. Speak. That's what I was so saying. She, so, she doesn't talk. She's scantily clad. She's doing yoga in a fucking helicopter. The fuck? And, and has to strip naked in order to fight off a rapist. Oh, that's, for- that's when I nearly lost and, it. That's- and don't forget that her character is completely defined by her love interest in Big Boss. Yeah. So I am so ashamed right now. The, oh yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, 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 the topper for me was the fact that again, there, there's, there are so many idiots defending this. And and it, it bothers me that that it's seen as acceptable, that this is seen as acceptable, that you're playing through this. And not only did they create a silent, naked woman to follow you around and do your bidding. No, on top of that, you're going to get to see her about to get raped, fighting out for rapist by having to strip off her clothes as if this is some sick fucking fantasy that he has. Well, and, and that's the thing. That's not even the first time that rape has come up in the last two games. Oh, God. Ground Zeroes was... Oh. Ground Zeroes was horrible, and they expounded upon it in the... And I, and I told this to Roger earlier, the bonus content of Phantom Pain with even further stuff involving Paz and Chico. Like, really? Like, there are ways to do this without having to fucking show it. 
there are ways to do this without being explicit, and that's what bothers me. Like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Roger, but that, no, 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 no. no this, I... this, the game would have been absolutely fantastic if not for these little things. Everything little? else was well written, except for these, and it's like you just took what could have been absolutely amazing because you had to be this. And I don't even want to say it's a, it's not even a cultural difference because like really like your weird justification just say I wanted to have a sexy fucking girl in the game and sorry to stop trying to shame us like and it irritates me particularly about quiet because quiet is a cool fucking character in her background mm-hmm. and story and how she came to be she is the very first basically combat NPC you interact with in the game she is said to kill you in the hospital. She's sitting there murdering people. She is a fucking top-tier assassin. And the only reason that she got fended off was because she literally got lit on fire and threw herself out of a window, which was the vehicle that they used to have her give herself over to Skullface and this fucking parasite, which, instead of just giving her superpowers like he did every fucking buddy else, it gave her that one downfall that, oh, I have to be mostly fucking naked or I die fucking really and then you as the game goes on and you start to see more of her personality not including the sexy scenes like if you take all the the quote-unquote sexy scenes out she's absolutely fantastic there's a wonderful scene where she's talking with the shaman and it's right after they are done interrogating her they're basically trying to waterboard her this is where they figure out that she's actually breathing and absorbing the water through her skin and it actually minimally it's all say that word again no, no, I, d- I dare it's you. But it, it's, it's minimal exposure to below the neck. Like everything in the scene is above the neck. There are no tits. There's nothing else. And it was a really interesting scene because she's talking with the old shaman in it was either his native language or Russian. I'm pretty sure it was Russian where you find out that not only was she given over to this this parasite, but she was infected with a very specific strain. And the reason that she refuses to talk is because if she utters a word in English, she will die and unleash a parasite born that will latch onto the English language and will basically mutilate and kill anybody who speaks English as their native tongue. That is the and most it, Kojima bullshit it I've is, ever heard it is in the grand scheme of it is, Kojima bullshit. It is incredibly Kojima, Kojima bullshit, but her character is in there just like, I will deal with my curse because I don't feel like wiping out an entire race of people. And it was one of those moments where she's like, I know what happened to me and I can't let that happen to somebody else, which is why you find out why she, you know, turned on Skullface. And she has this incredible resolve and she has this incredible, like, she's going to get revenge. She's going to get, take care of this. And then there's also one hidden scene where she does finally like, and again, this is a spoiler and this is a possible outcome where she will sacrifice herself to save Snake, which is, again, bullshit, but she does it by speaking English. Literally, she warns him to get out of the way of a shot, and she fucking dies. But, again, it's that same thing where she was such a cool character that then got ruined because she was defined by her fucking love interest in Snake. Like that stupid water splashing screen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. What the fuck is fun in the sun doing in this militaristic game? It, just so she can play around in the fucking rain and like take off her like pantyhose type things and like be fully like you know in <laughs> bikini mode. Fucking really, no value whatsoever. 
or every time where she's walking away and they fucking zoom in on her ass shaking side to side. There's no fucking well, reason for that. Well, they do the same thing with her tits. It's the same thing. They do the and same thing with her tits Literally, as well. it's in the shot. Center, yep. boom. This is where we want your eyes. And, like, it goes on. I was reading, too. They were saying the same thing about there's a fi- female sniper team and the mm-hmm. camera angles on their tits and then over on their asses. I'm going, oh, they're females oh, infected, yes. They're, they're, blatantly, they're, can you... Army. Like, Italian female infected that they zoom in on their tits and ass. Well, the other thing too, and it's funny because I was just talking to my son about this when we were doing installs on, on the new X one. And then the last free game was Metal Gear Solid five, but the other one, the one before this, I can remember the name there. Ground Zero. Ground Zero. And he was saying, I heard it was good. I said, fine, I'll install it. I'm not in a Metal Gear Solid mood now. You don't want to hear what I got to say. <laughs> We're going to be talking about this. And he keeps up with gaming news as well. And he was saying that even the 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 costume select screen for her because as Moker was saying in, in chat there too yeah you can unlock another costume for her later on however a it's gonna take you a while to unlock that shit but as opposed to the other characters for her when you look at what what uh, costumes you've unlocked it's a fucking shot of her tits it's <laughs> literally a widescreen shot of her chest. Well, it's really the only way you can show off the different What costumes. she's wearing. Yeah, what? The, the rip is a little further down the leg on the stockings in this outfit versus the other one? <laughs> like, oh, my God. I, yeah. You see, here's, like, you touched on the thing that really bothers me about this is the general lack of coverage it's getting. Like, yeah, you found a few links uh, of people talking about it, but honestly, it's kind of like the fringe of gaming journalism. And I I dare you to find anybody talking about the horrific bullshit that went down in Ground Zeroes because nobody did. No, nobody and, did. And because, like, for some weird-ass reason, and I, I follow a number of people on Twitter that I greatly respect for a number of their opinions. They speak out on any number of issues in comics, in movies, in other games. But for some reason, Kojima is viewed as, like, this bizarre auteur who's just beyond criticism and everything he does, like he shits out gold behind him. So if he wants her to have tits, then God damn it, you're going to get some tits. It's like, and that's just what infuriates me that we're, we're holding him to a different level of criticism than we are anybody else. When honestly he should be held to a higher level because of the amount of weight he carries in the industry. Well, and the thing too, is you can't even blame like his, his view on it again, on cultural differences because at this point, is it really? No. Of all the developers in Japan, I think Kojima is more tied into Western sensibilities than anybody. Yep. And the, he has been. He's been. He's been lauded for that for years. And then we get I mean, stuff just, like this. I mean, Metal Gear Solid is basically a Tom Clancy game as seen through a Japanese narrative vision. Mm-hmm. Hey, he and didn't be, see. He didn't win I, any points with me either with his tweet of the quiet action figure whose mm, tits he was squeezing, squeezing boobs? and he's oh saying God. yeah it can be squeezed and lifted and to to make it seem like it's it's really heartfelt that this is not objectifying her he had he added that lol so you know we're just yeah he, he wasn't we're serious. just i'm, I'm just on. squeezing your tits it's just it's just a doll come on people Far. <laughs> spell that fuck seriously like i uh, you know this shit it was funny because what i was talking again on the twitter with this is like i i never had the patience for this kind of stupidity it's same with whether it's racism or whatever i don't have the patience for that but with this kind of misogynistic bullshit 
having been married now for over, you know, 20, going on 25 years damn near now, and raising two girls and now granddaughter, it bothers me that it hasn't gotten better and that in some ways it's gotten worse. Worse. And that Mm -hmm. shit pisses me off to no end because it's an insult to women, but it's also a huge insult to our fucking gender, and I hate that. We're better than this. And what I'm realizing more and more is that we have to now be as loud as the assholes. Because for a while there, thanks to Gamergate especially, no, the assholes were louder. Just let them do their little thing and then it'll quiet down eventually. Yeah, that's why there's still women getting bomb threats and things like that. No, no, we need to be just as loud. And that's why, again, we're doing this. So if anybody objects to this, fuck you, stop listening and go away. Period. Yep. If if you think these those assholes were loud, you haven't gotten a hold of these assholes. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some gaming news that is far cheerier and better. Uh, Joel, you actually, I'm sure, are dying to play the new StarCraft. I'm actually not. Really? That and trailer was freaking badass, I thought. My life I, for ire. Come on. <laughs> I didn't like the trailer. Really? Why not? Because it was basically just an RTS battle with the lines from the units put into the game, like into the trailer. Like it didn't really exactly. tell us anything. Like aside oh, from okay, we're going so. back to their home, ta- we're going back to their home planet. They're taking okay. their home planet back. I, I, but, but really, what more do they need to say? I I don't know. Like, they, I they, don't need, they don't need more. to set the scene. Like the scene is the Protoss are going to go get their revenge. Like, but I there's guess not much else they can tell in a trailer that's really they not managed ruin to do the game. just. They managed just fine with trailers for the first and second installment of it. Because there was a lot of stages and stuff plot like that. elements sure. exactly. to kind of set up. It was more about the characters. And that but that one. also makes me not like not want to play the game because if that's all it is, it's just cleaning up and just it's just taking the homeland. Like whatever. Like that doesn't. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure them. there's a lot that they didn't want to put into. The sure. But again, it was just I I wasn't I was impressed with the visual quality of it. I oh, it, just it, it wasn't was so crisp. it was absolutely gorgeous. They don't produce bad cinematics. I don't think I've seen a bad cinematic from from Blizzard ever. And that's fine, and that's dandy. It's just I expected better. I expected more, I guess. I guess my expectations were too high. But I just, for what we got, I don't think that it deserved even as much fanfare as it got. Well, you see, I've been a Protoss player since day one. So this trailer was just... It was one of those made for Vince moments because and this is something that like a lot of people have like touched in on. Yes, it didn't have a lot of like lore resonance, but the way it kind of accurately represented minor things in gameplay and made them seem like these heroic actions. I think a lot of that kind of ties into like our player's vision of the game. Like, yeah, that probe, you know, he he's important. You know, those those last three zealots defending the pylon, like suddenly these small little gameplay elements have weight to them. They have consequence. It's not just, you know, disposable unit A going up against disposable unit B. It it gave the player's role in the game like, a little bit more importance. Like, yeah, Rainer and Kerrigan and Tassadar and all those characters are super important, but let's not forget... The, the player is really an important part of StarCraft as well. So this, to me, it was more geared towards players in the of the multiplayer of the online battles, as opposed to players like me who I play the campaign and I'm pretty much done. Well, I hear I agree with you because I dipped my toes into multiplayer during the Wings of Liberty phase and realized that's not the game for me anymore. And I actually completely skipped Heart of the Swarm because I'm not really much of a Zerg guy. It doesn't do anything for me. 
So I was mostly willing to just kind of turn a blind eye to Legacy of the Void. And then I saw this trailer and I went, shit, I need I almost bought Heart of the Swarm the minute I saw this trailer <laughs> just because I need I need to get caught up now. So it, it's it's a trailer for different parts of the community, I'd say. And I would agree if if that's I'm what they the were going them. for, I'm not the I, I would see it's I would say it's incredibly successful. From my point of view, the thing that you're saying too, where there's not as much lore, there is. It's just different. It's not lore is not always just within the characters and their story arcs, but also in the world, or in this case, the universe. You know, kind of thing. So there's a ton of world building that's going on that you're seeing in this trailer, and you're getting a ton of history while also getting that heroic moment of we're taking our planet back. And I think that that's insanely heavy lore wise just is not focused just on one or two characters and much like we have seen with wow where they focus intensely on one or two characters and we get tons about them but not nearly as much about everybody else that's what i felt was happening a lot with this which has put me off of playing two all that much like i barely played it for the most part i played starcraft a lot before so i mean i i i I need more than just these one or two stories. And this actually gives you a much wider, cool story too. I see it more as a watching a, a, a film about war where it's about all the soldiers mm-hmm. versus a very specific saving private Ryan kind of thing. It's band sure. of brothers versus saving private Ryan. And I, it's not that one is better than the other, but like Vince was saying, this is going to appeal still to a lot of people. See, and it's something I really like, I actually had an emotional attachment to these nameless zealots. Like, yeah, it's not Tassadar, it's not Zeratul, but knowing what I know about the the state that the Protoss are in right now, how, you know, their religion and their cycle of rebirth has been broken. Like, you know, without the dragoons, they don't have a way to kind of keep their fallen warriors around. So when those zealots are dying or when those Templars sacrifice themselves to merge into the Archon, like that tiny little gameplay element translated into the cinematic actually for me carried a lot of weight because again knowing what i know about the race like it's my preferred race i've done a lot of reading up on you know what's going on that's the little bit of lore we've gotten to them for them in the first two chapters of the game has been very important to me so it that those tiny little moments really carried a lot of weight for me personally all right let's shift over to sea of thieves joe go ahead so this is a little bit interesting. Uh, Rare Sea of Thieves is the Xbox One and PC game where it's going to be basically a player-driven pirate universe where you can band together with your friends and go pirating. And it's being hailed as one of Rare's most ambitious and potentially greatest games. And I think that the ambitious part is definitely there. And it's definitely one of those cool concepts because I don't know about you, but the idea of manning a ship with my friends and going through and, you know, destroying other pirates or pillaging towns or making people walk the plank is a lot of fun. Like, that, this whole concept is really cool to me. I'm going to have to log in. throw me off the boat in the first week. <laughs> I, I need to log in, like, day wait, wait, one to reserve the name, Sir Reginald. <laughs> All right. Maybe it would be justified. There might be some sort of mutiny and uprising amongst the crew. But Where did all of our relevant? crew go? I was- <laughs> what did you do? I would keep a little Kraken mini pet with me at all times. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of having like that, that open world is really, really cool. The only thing that I'm concerned about, my only reservation, is that it's going to rely almost entirely on player-driven content. 
And games like that, they tend to be feast or famine. If you have a good player base like EVE Online, you can have really great events. You can have great raids. You can have great strife. You can have great battles. You can have a wonderful universe to exist in. But if you have almost no players or if you have a small number of players, then if they're not producing the content, what do you do? Well, it's going to be... And I say this not having gone in to see just how, you know, popular it is, but this Project Spark was going to be that mm-hmm. very same thing. Well, I know that I personally installed it and really messed around for a little bit, and I'm like, oh, that's it. And it just didn't have that catch for me. So it's the same kind of thing. I don't know how well it's doing, but I can look at Little Big Planet, and that community is never let go of that game. And so you have constant levels that you can continue to keep playing. Sure, but I think that's a little bit different too. Like Little Big Planet is it's like Mario Maker, right? Mario Maker actually has a really good following and has some crazy level design in the same capacity that um Neverwinter Nights did. Neverwinter Nights is a game that I keep going back to with this where players would generate content and then release it to the wild for consumption. But it wasn't something that it needed players online constantly engaging with each other in order to create the content which this is going to. And they haven't announced any level editors or dungeon creators or anything like that, which I feel in this, with the way they're touting it, is going to be very, very difficult if they wanted to go that route. They're essentially waiting for people to just go out and fight each other. And I think that that is potential for a very, very big downfall. That said, if they can find a way for to kind of hit that medium or make it so that players can make content and then release it to the wild like Little Big Planet and Neverwinter Nights and what we're going to see with Sorcos Online, uh, then it's going to be completely different, and it's going to be something that I think could thrive. But we still don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah, like, what I'm sorry, what I'm seeing here with Sea of Thieves, as far as like you know the player-driven content, it feels a lot more like Eve to me. Where yes. it, you know what what content is there in Eve? It's it's entirely based around the stories and the conflicts of the players are creating amongst themselves which works for eve but it's it's a very delicate balance to keep if there's no actual physical content involved anyways let's move on to another game i actually hadn't even heard about this until i got the link from joe but vince i'm gonna let you take this because this seems like it's made for you dan (laughs) just (laughs) i I'm, i'm looking at past games that we've talked about and i'm thinking Man, I can see you sitting down and ripping through this in one shot. It's entirely possible, yeah. And the the game, of course, is Soma from the creators of uh, God Amnesia. Amnesia. Yeah, and Amnesia, like I enjoyed Amnesia, but it didn't quite grip me in the same way uh, it gripped a lot of other people. Scared like I thought the it was shit fun. Out of and, my son, I'll you know, tell you that the, the, sca- <laughs> the scares were fun, but it like it was at least for me, it was all kind of like the jump scares and stuff like that. The atmosphere didn't really strike a chord with me. But now here looking at Soma, where it takes place in this installation at the bottom of the sea, and instantly I had kind of that Bioshock crossed with Dead Space feel of just being completely isolated from any hope of help and these oppressively constricted passageways. And it's the feel of the game itself before you even get into the horror elements was really important. And also now that 
you know, they've got some development time under their belt and they've really worked on like the lighting engine and the sound design and a lot of that stuff, which I, I keep going back to Dead Space because it's seriously my favorite horror game of all time. And that is what made it important was it wasn't the monsters. It wasn't the story. Yeah, that was important. But what really made that game special was the lighting and the sound design. And I think well, Soma has really hit on that element of it's not the monsters themselves that are going to be scary. It's all this shit that's going on when the monsters aren't there. You make the player just uneasy in the setting and your horror is going to be that much more effective. And that's the thing, again, with Amnesia, the setting itself didn't really disturb me. It was, you know, just this, it was a fucking house and a sewer. And like, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. It was, Amnesia didn't really have that effect unless the monster was on your tail or unless there was that danger involved. So, being having all those horror elements that work well when there is no danger is really what drives a lot of that forward and i'm i'm a huge horror fan in any genre you can imagine gaming movies tv what have you and the ones that are always the most effective are the ones that scare the shit out of you when there actually is no danger around and you know, from what little bit i've seen of soma i think it strikes that point yep I will agree with you. My favorite horror game of all time is actually a PS2 title that a lot of people don't even know exists, but it was Echo. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. that that one where you're on basically on the space station, like trying to figure out what's going on. But there was no monsters. It was all audio and lighting. And it was it has still to this day some of the best audio engineering I've ever seen in a video game. And you hit the like right there what you said, like creating that constant sense of unease is sometimes so much better than just having a fucking jump scare like Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, see, part of what is the reason for these things, and we can appreciate that because we have a few years under our belt, some more than others, but <laughs> is that back in the day, you got more of that tension that, you know, yeah, there, that there was more tension and less of the effects because of cost restraints. So it wasn't just about clever writing. It was also about how can we draw the tension and make that what is driving the story versus this special effect, which is going to cost more. And then as special effects cost less and less, especially once there was more and more digital options available, then it got so that there was more of that versus the built-up tension. And that's where it suffered. So going back to the root of... You know, the Hitchcock roots of what is important here, that that built up tension. And it's not about that big payoff. It's that ramping up to it. Yeah. And like it really reminds me a lot of the, like this whole discussion reminds me a lot of the PlayStation one era because everybody holds up, you know, Resident Evil as, you know, one of the big games of that era and rightfully so. But for me, that game wasn't scary. Like it was the jump scares the only thing that scared me about that game was the controls and the camera. But (laughs) in that same time, you also had silent Hill, Mm -hmm. which was terrifying for any number of reasons. Cause it had to work within those constraints of, it didn't have the great graphics. It had to use its sense of foreboding differently. And you had the fog, you know, the radio static, it did so many great things just to ratchet up the tension that when there finally was the danger, it legitimately scared the shit out of you. Same thing with Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve had, you know, a good gameplay system there wasn't a whole lot of danger in the combat itself, but the, 
the graphics and not not the actual fidelity of the graphics, but the design and just the weird, creepy fucking shit they came up with made that game far scarier for me than Resident Evil ever was. So I, I'm really glad that modern devs are kind of going back to seeing what made those older games so successful and bringing that into the modern era where they can do it so much bigger and so much grander and hopefully with a lot more impact. All right, let's move on. Joe, you wanted to talk about uh, Witcher 3, the expansion. Yes. Now, this is one I'm really excited about because Witcher I'm going to end up wasting 100 fucking hours in this game, aren't I? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So when Witcher 3 was really, uh, released, we were promised that there was going to be two expansions. And we're finally getting the first one, well, next month. Uh, Heart of Stone. And it's we they haven't really talked too much about the story so much because they don't want to give anything away. But we know that there is going to be a minimum of 10 hours of additional content, which is probably going to be more like 100 hours of additional content. Don't forget. Here's the important question. How much more Gwent? Oh, wait till I get to that. They got something (laughs) specifically for Roger. So there's going to be new characters. There's going to be old characters. A lot of the stuff that's going to be introduced is just going to be a continuation of just Geralt as a character. And it's going to be a standalone storyline that goes along the main game. So you don't have to have complete, you haven't had to complete the main game in order to play this through. And it's going to be all about deep character progression, deep character story, and things along those lines that we tend to love. Now, I think that's personally really cool. They're also introducing a new mechanic, and that new mechanic is called Rune Words, where you combine glyphs and unlock special buffs, basically. Uh, you can get Diablo increased... Two. It's basically Diablo 2. Yep. Uh, but you can increase everything from buffing yourself to your resistances and attacks uh, to all sorts of stuff like that. And there's going to be a brand new NPC that will actually help you with that, which is the Ophirian Wizard, which is one of those things that they've talked about in the story of the, of the games that has never been seen. Well, now he's going to be here. So that's kind of cool. They're also going to be releasing a physical retail version of the expansion. And with it comes some Gwent decks. Wouldn't you know? Wait, so they're physical releasing decks? physical Gwent oh, decks. Shut up. 154 cards in the set. 77 oh. cards per faction. I ain't buying it because I'm not playing the game, so I don't care. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Joke's on you. Really? <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. But yeah, the, for play, because that's actually been one of the most requested features from players about this game is they want a physical Gwent game. And they're, they're trying to hit a mid- middle ground because they don't think that they could release just a standalone mm-hmm. total card game because they would have to Kick change the mechanics. That and stuff. So that's, it's, it's not money. It's not money. They just think that they would have to change so much about what they put into the mm-hmm. game to make it make sense out of the game. And I, I can kind of understand that because it's not made for originally like two players, but they're hitting somewhere in the middle ground. They're not going to make a standalone expansive game, but they are still giving you two factions with 77 cards per faction, so you can actually play Gwent outside of the game. I'm, I'm <laughs> Black Friday, I'm buying the game. Let's just put it that way. I, I don't know when I'm playing it. I still haven't even played Shadows of Mordor, which I bought last Black Friday. <laughs> oh, and one of my other favorite things, and I, have you guys actually played through Witcher 3 at all, Vince, at all? No. no. And I know Roger hasn't. So it's one not, of the for, it's that, not that I don't want to. I want to be clear about that. It's not that I don't want I to. It's just like Vince said, there's time. It's like we yeah. only have so much time in a day. So, One of the things that they've always been lauded on is like, yes, they do have sexy female characters, 
but those female characters are bad fucking ass and they tend to if you have followed the stories they get the better of the main character more often than not and what they're doing now is they're also expanding the romance dialogues for all the existing romance options as well as through the DLC so that there's more depth in the characterization between whoever you decide that you're interested in, if you're interested in any of them at all, to give it even more depth. Because there's a lot of things that uh, players were talking about where, well, this kind of like ended and I thought there was going to be more or why isn't there more interaction here? So they listened to that and they're like, well, you know what? You're absolutely right. We can add even more content to the 400 plus fucking hours that we gave you. And so they're going to do that. See, the the thing, and it's it goes from what you're saying there and back to the original topic that we started with too, there is nothing wrong with having beautiful, sexy women mm-hmm. in games. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's how you treat those characters. And you can either do a disservice to them or you can blatantly insult them or you can treat them with the respect that they deserve. Now, does that mean that every female character has to be drop dead gorgeous it can kick anybody's ass and is badass in every way no because that's not accurate either the problem is is that and because they come back at you well that means we can't have any games that have this kind of things or, or that have sexy women or whatever no it's just have you looked at how many there are where women are objectified it's a pretty high percentage. It oh, isn't yeah. that there's just a few like a few bad movies or whatever no it's that it's everywhere all the time. So when games come out where you have sexy women that are badass still or that are good or treated properly and it's well written, then you have to celebrate that and say this here. Here's the example, everybody else. Do this. Don't put a sniper in a bikini getting raped at the end of the game. You know, there's common sense here and that has to be what prevails. Well, and, and here's a perfect example of how they do that, right? Like, yes, they're the main, the three main females of the Witcher 3 are quote unquote sexy, but they're also wearing full body armor. They're feared. They have like, and I'm not just saying like they're, they're, like you said, they're not just intrinsically badass, but they have a place in society that's not subservient to anybody else. They're treated as equals. Like they have their own say, they have their own power, they have their own way in the world equal to any other man and that's really important to note that this is a game that does that really really well all right let's move on to the last topic for tonight and that is nintendo's got their new company president it's the head of hr <laughs> uh tatsumi kim, kim oh dude i rehearsed it so i wouldn't fuck it up because i knew Roger, vince wouldn't let me forget do this it. sober kimishami kimishami kimishimi kimishami <laughs> I'm trying to do it faster than that. Like on, on behalf of Borf for the lore and Roger personally, I would like to apologize Tets, for his uh, general incompetence Kimi, in this particular field. Kimishima. It's been a problem for many years. I just did I it. I know he tries really hard to work on it. But, and see, now uh, I can't know, some, edit it to get it out. Sometimes certain things that people can't do. Kimishima. Ah, I did it again. Kimishima. I can do it three times in a row, dude. <laughs> Sober or not, doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, this dude is taking over. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, he's the head of HR. Now, he does have like some background. He ran the Nintendo of, of America and for a while until uh, Reggie took over and he worked at Pokemon. But uh, they point blank said that he is not the gamer 
you know, that you would want in that role necessarily. Well, they didn't say that, but that's what a lot of people are thinking. I'm quite certain. And it's because a lot of what made Nintendo Nintendo is, you know, those, those three at the top that were gamers. And that's what was important. You missed that then. They totally referred to him as an operational specialist. I know I read that, but that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that's a bean counter. That's a bean counter. If I've ever heard. Yeah. But, there's uh, this scares me. It really well, does because well, they, they did say they're going to they did say that they're going to keep the people that we love in charge of software and hardware. Yeah. Even even more than that, like Miyamoto and Takeda have been given interesting new titles. That, that's it. Like, like I, I, I think like they're going to be overseeing like the actual development process. But I think it's also kind of important. Like, don't get me wrong. Iwata was a once in a generation yeah. sort of mm-hmm. guy. But I think Nintendo's biggest problem over the last few years is that they've kind of dreamed a little too big. So now maybe not as CEO, but I think it's also important to have somebody that's a little more grounded involved in the decision-making process. So I, I, again, we don't know exactly how much power Miyamoto and Takeda personally are going to have within the structure, or if this is going to be like an Ike Perlmutter type situation with Marvel. So I, I think we kind of need to let it see it play out a bit but it's going to depend how much influence he has which as the company president should be his opinion is the last one Mm -hmm. and i look at that and then i can look at you know activision and what they do to other developers to get them to do whatever they want or ea and things like that so he is the equivalent of the board of directors for these horrific companies he represents that just as one man and i'm not saying that in a bad way his job is to care about how much money the company makes to balance books and that kind of stuff that's what's important i think having the dreamer at the top is what you need but under him you need those mm-hmm. people holding onto the balloon string so that he doesn't fly off. Well, I see that I, that's also kind of an important part of their statement is that they're really focused on kind of bringing up the next generation of Nintendo higher ups. Because honestly, you had Iwata, you had Miyamoto, you had Takeda. Like they've been the voices of Nintendo for three decades now. What like, happens when they have to step down? Exactly. Yeah. What, you know, okay, let's say theoretically they make Miyamoto CEO. And, you know, honestly, let's be honest here. How long would he be in that role? And not to say he'll die, but, you know, he's not a young guy either. You know, he's going to want to retire at some point. So I also think it's kind of important to keep those big thinkers, those really strong game designers and idea guys working in that side to really develop the company as a whole. Because I think if you take Miyamoto out of development and put him in as the CEO, I'd honestly think that's more of a net loss to Nintendo of not having him down there in the trenches. I would agree. And it's definitely an interesting choice. And I, I'm, I'm with Vince. I think this is going to be something that we're going to have to wait and see. And I think that potentially if as long as there's a confluence of ideas where everybody's coming together and everybody's working towards the same goal and you have that person that's able to say, this is a fantastic idea. We just can't feasibly do this right now, but we can do this much of it. Or you have somebody that's that's laying down smart limitations on those ideas so you don't fly too close to the sun. I think that would really work well for them. And I think that's what they need. And we'll see, because as long as, like Vince said, as long as the people who are the heart and soul are still in those trenches, are still working with everything that they love, 
we're still going to get good products. We just have to uh, yes cross and our no. fingers. Yes and no. I mean, if the decisions are made at the top that this wonderful imaginative projects that you are working on is not going to be done because of budgetary restraints or whatever it could Maybe, be. Maybe, but so I have two words for you, the I, virtual boy. I wasn't talking, finished talking yet, God damn it! <laughs> I let you two yahoos yap and yap and yap Those even though I had a weren't worth the interruption, Joe. <laughs> Fuck. But that doesn't matter. Again, it's it's. I go back to the the analogy of the person at the top has to be the dreamer, especially especially at the gaming companies, but especially at Nintendo, especially mm-hmm. at Nintendo. Nintendo needs to be this lofty game company that is just a dream. It's that cloud with the smiley face on it, and it has to be held down otherwise it'll float away and it has those are the people that you want to be the hr specialist and the guy who's really good at using excel and stuff like that that are getting the others to say okay we can tone it back just a little but when it's the person at the top that is the bean counter then that is in my opinion for especially nintendo that's not where you want to be. And again, you keep talking about the other two. They're not the only two there that are passionate no, about not. gaming or game development. Like again, they, they can pull somebody out from the trenches as well. That is good. Like they did with Awada, essentially like, yeah, he'd done some impressive stuff and whatnot too, but still he was nowhere near the status that you would think that they'd put somebody in that position of power and look at what he did. So there's plenty of other people there that, I'm quite certain could have done just as good a job. And this is not me like bashing this man. Maybe he will be fantastic. Maybe he understands what Nintendo really is and he won't just be that money man. It's possible. But I mean, it's just, we know nothing about this guy. We, we know his titles and we as gamers have this concept of Nintendo and, it's just that fear because this guy represents the other. Like you said, he could theoretically represent the EA or the Activision side of the industry. He's just – it's the fact that we don't know anything about him. It, it makes it scary because Nintendo has been a known quantity in our lives for – at least for Joe and I, damn near our entire lives. So bringing in an unknown, yes, it's strange. It's scary. I'm concerned, but I'm also not going to immediately freak well, out. Well, see, I'm looking at – what happened with the Wii U mm-hmm. and how they're already working on the next console. And I'm looking at the, again, the person who's looking at just the logistics and should we actually be working on another console and finish development on that when we can look at how much money we've lost on the last one, the last couple, you know? So there's, there's different things that they've done that have not been the DS success stories. That is the only reason they're still in business. And so it's, it's one of those where I feel that some of the things that, that make Nintendo special is that constant jumping off a cliff and believing you'll land on a cloud mentality, like the vitality sensor. Which we mocked because it deserved to be mocked, but I'm so glad they did it because they had a vision. They had a dream of something that they could do and make fun, and they ran with it until they realized, 
okay, everybody's laughing at us for a reason. It's stupid. Okay, we'll stop now. But God damn it, they got far enough to be announcing it at, like, I remember if it was an E3 or whatever. I think it was E3. Like, that's the kind of dreaming that that company represents to me. And with, again, the bean counter at the top, I think that, you know, that would be brought to, to him and he would put the freaking denied stamp on that fucker like nobody's business. It's like, can, I'm, can we just imagine the, the, uh, the meeting? Uh, okay, uh, Kimishima sama, we want you to be a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody already put the picture of the Muppet, the, the freaking eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Online, it was like, oh my god, it actually looks like him. <laughs> did you see that? I did. No, but I'm picturing oh, it. Oh, it's and, hysterical. Yeah. The face, the expression, I swear to god, the eyebrows, especially. It was like, it was him. I'm going, oh my god, now I really can't take him seriously. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> No, I you were just showing off with pronouncing his name with Sama at the end. <laughs> Kimishima. <laughs> I got it now. It's in the bag. All right. That is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen. Make sure to stop by for the lore, for the show notes. And, of course, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can join us in the live stream at forthelore.com slash live. You can find us on Twitter at forthelore or individually, Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Simonian, and myself at Zen Buddhist. You can also leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher. And I didn't forget. Haha. And I didn't even <laughs> write this shit down. I remembered. I urge you all to go and listen to the new podcast called Lore Watch. This is actually being done through Blizzwatch, and it is the the site that came about with the closure of the old WoW Insider. They're doing fantastic stuff. Got great writers, same as before, and they're bringing in some other people, and they're doing podcasts. And one of those podcasts is Lore Watch, and our own Joe is in it as well with a couple of other talented people. They've done four episodes or five now. The fifth we one hasn't come out. We just recorded our fifth one. So if you're if you're a Patreon subscriber over at Blizzard Watch, you get it the day that it's recorded. Otherwise, it's delayed a week. Um, but we just recorded our fifth one. There are four wonderful hour-long episodes for you to go ahead and listen to. Uh, please feel free to drop by. And it's all things Blizzard-related. Uh, so give me some love. I would appreciate it. And I would like to thank Roger and Vince for their support in this endeavor as well. It's a, it's a great podcast. I listened to the four episodes. They're really well done. They're very informative too. We were talking about this during the pre-show and it's good because for people like, like myself, I, if a game really grabs me, then I really sink my teeth into the lore and whatnot. If it's just a game that I play, oftentimes I'll just take it for granted and I just take it as part of the world lore kind of thing. And that's how I felt about wow for different things where some really impacts on me, whereas some doesn't and it's the same for everybody. And this podcast is great because it takes all of those elements, focuses on some of the things, shows you a bigger picture of how it all ties together. And you wind up getting this much deeper appreciation of the lore. So far it's been only for world of Warcraft, but like you said, you're going to be talking about the other games as well. So yeah, I know Rossi and I have been talking about doing some Diablo stuff. Soon oh too. man, you can stick your teeth into that all day long. Oh yeah. So make sure to check it out. It's called lore watch. It's a fantastic podcast. I'll actually put the link in the show notes. So you'll be able to go directly to it. And with that, we will call it a night and we will talk to you guys next week. I had to think about it. <laughs> it's like, what's happening next week? Why am I canceling? Why am I pausing? What's going on? <laughs> I was like, did you forget to give me the memo? Or? 
The port was that yeah. strong. Yeah. He's losing weeks now. It's damn near all gone, dude. It's freaking good. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I was going to plug in the other two podcasts, and I said, no, I'll wait. All right. Did you give a anniversary shout-out? Leave it to you to remember. You actually remembered. That's amazing. I completely forgot the lore watch, so I had to redeem it. (laughs) 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 Folks, we are today on our uh, six-year anniversary. We have been doing this podcast on and off for six years. We started six years ago, and there was only a couple of breaks there. But, uh, but... It was six years ago that we started, and it's been a hell of a good six years. The only downsides in terms of podcasting was when we were not podcasting. So it's been a ton of fun, and I know I've said this time and time again. I am never afraid of showing my affection for you boys and saying thank you for being such amazing fucking co-hosts. I'm going to go a little bit better. Well, I don't want to say better, but I want to thank you, Roger, for years ago inviting me to be on wow dogs yeah that was awesome and and having this blossom out of that and the discussions that we had about lore and story and druids and going with the the new druid forums back in the day and look how far we've come i am so grateful for this journey with you two guys i'm not going to say the word blessed because i don't even know what that means anymore but you guys are family, and I fucking love both of you. You know what's funny is that had I not invited you onto the podcast for that specifically, I wouldn't have known that we clicked mm-hmm. for for podcasting purposes. Never would have thought to invite you. Well, I say that, but I still followed you on Twitter, and you had been talking about doing a podcast yourself. And that's how it started, because I was giving you tips on your own podcast. You were going to be starting with yep. somebody else. And so maybe it would have happened, but... But I, I knew as soon as you started talking about it because of how well we'd done on Law Dogs that it was like, no, we could have something here if we work with it. And I think we did. Yep. Yeah. And coming from my end, like at least when you guys were starting for the lore, you had you know, known entities. But when you brought me in, I was literally a nobody. And I'll be honest, I'm still mostly a nobody. <laughs> but, you know, you, you saw something in me, both of you, and, you know, you invited me to be part of the team. And... It's you showed up for all the recordings, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> Is that was that the only that was a, the bar was low. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's really kind of tapped into a part of myself I never really knew I had. I knew I always liked talking, <laughs> but like you know, actually you know, having conversations with people I respect equally, and really kind of just diving into and grabbing hold of the things in gaming that are special to me and finding other people who had those same sensibilities it, both you guys and our lifelong listeners it's it's really been a special experience it's funny because i think about it too again i've been doing this now since 2007 or 2008 and uh and again the the times that i took off was because of, of physio when my my legs were that bad at that point and the physio was ridiculous and like two three times a week and stuff like that and i just I could not do it. It was impossible. And the pain was unbearable because I was on different meds as well at the time that just simply weren't working. But other than that, I mean, it's just one of those things that if we ever stop these for whatever reason, I know I'm just going to start something different, something else. I cannot see myself not doing this. 
anymore. I, of course, I want it to be with you guys, but I can't see myself just not doing it. And I keep thinking back to the, um, like, damn near every guest we've ever interviewed. And I know I've interviewed some, especially like on the, the music podcast. It's just people just realize only once they do it just how much fun it is. And then they clue in on like, holy crap, that was a ton of fun. We need to do this again. When can I come back? And I, like I had musicians telling me that. And it was just, it's it's once you start doing it, especially on a regular basis, you realize just how much freaking fun it is. And that's again, goes back to what I was saying at the start of the show, how I don't see this as an informative podcast of giving people news about what's going on. Yeah, I'm doing this so that other people can listen and have fun as well, but I'm doing it for us. I'm doing it because we're having fun. If we have three listeners or 300 or 3,000, I don't care. Whatever. That's why I don't sell advertising, too, for the show. Like, <laughs> I would not be very good at advertising. It's not the number of listeners that, that I care about because, honestly, I don't know how many listeners we have. But when I look you know, here in the chat, and we have Mocha Raid from Scotland, or I believe he's from Scotland. You know, we have Hoogs. We have um, Dan. God Malagash. Dan from fucking Australia. I know we've had listeners from like Malaysia and all across the Americas, like and New York. I, Those people, yeah, fuck. Like man. I, I'm in a you know degree of separation. I met the person I love more than anybody else thanks to this podcast. And honestly, I think Joe can kind of say the same. So, like, not only did I meet two people that I really care about as brothers, but it's it's had an important influence on my life. You know what's funny is that I didn't know how you and Alicia kind of connected and all that, but it's it's I had thought about that with Joe and Tart, and I'm wondering what would have happened. Would, how how would you guys have met somehow, somewhere? I don't know. We wouldn't have. Like, I I went through the other day, and Renee and I were talking about it. And we just kind of like did the mental math. We didn't have a whole lot of intersecting friends at the time. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of, we didn't even know, like follow each other on Twitter. It was literally from that chance encounter of her coming on as a guest to give her a point of view as a female gamer that we just clicked and started talking. And then next thing I know, she was moving out here. See, to and me, like, that makes that, six that, years worth it right there. That That's why I don't care about anything else. <laughs> that is our crowning achievement. And now you, Vince, as well. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's... There you go. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm already married, so I didn't get that. Sorry. <laughs> I feel yeah, but you did out. meet your girlfriend through the podcast. Yeah. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> I actually, Karen doesn't listen, so I don't. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> hey, Alicia, did you do some Googling of any images lately? <laughs> At work, where your boss can look over your your shoulder oh and see what you're Googling? I'm, I'm very curious. How bad is this? How bad is this? I need to know. I missed something. It, it could have been real bad. <laughs> is it like the time that I got Matt to Google Blue Waffle at work? So It, it wouldn't have been far off, but I think we managed to you know, throw the flag and interrupt the... <laughs> Pop Parker was just a joke. It had nothing to do with golf. He's been Which in more of the only than... reason she didn't find the picture. I know. It's like, what the hell are you doing with Bob Barker? I was just making a shot at him. Anyways, just a little story here for you, Alicia. When I, oh God, the first year or the second year, the, I think the first year, Karen and I were together. So I was like 23, maybe 24. And I'm working at, it shows how old. This was Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> 
I'm working at as an assistant manager, big position at Blockbuster. And um, we had, of course, not only is Blockbuster old, but it was VHS. The people would rent, not, not DVDs. Be and, kind, rewind. Yeah. Every time you got the it. tapes back, you would have to be <laughs> rewinding the tapes constantly. But what would happen is that you couldn't just put the movie back on the shelf. You had to open it up and make sure the right movie's in there. And so that's whoever did the shows would do that. Because even when you were checking people out, you probably noticed this if you ever were young enough to go to a blockbuster. You'd pop it open when the, the person giving you the movie would pop it open, make sure again that it's the right one because you would still find wrong ones, then scan it in. Anyways. We're cleaning out these movies. And inside of the kids, the Disney Pocahontas fucking movie is something else. And I Was cannot... Was it a Pocahontas fucking movie? I cannot, for the life of me, remember what the name, the written name on the video was. I can't remember what it was. But we popped it in. Because we had a TV behind the counter, you know, like where the manager little area was. So we pop it in to go see. So there's these attractive girls... That decide to go to a farm. <laughs> oh. Follow me here. <laughs> and they decide that, especially the male animals, are not getting the love in the deserve. And they proceed, the two of them, to have their way with a variety of male animals on the farm. <laughs> When she was fucking the pig, or versus the pig fucking her, she had to put a burlap bag on her back <laughs> so that it felt more pig-like, apparently. Something and tells me this isn't going to show up in the outtakes. Then he went to town. <laughs> when it came time to the horse, this is where the analogy comes into play, hon. I was wa- <laughs> this has been a long road. <laughs> there was a milk bag used to collect what came out of there. Like, and, and, all right. Because like there was a, a lot of Canadian, it. Like actual milk bag? <laughs> no, yeah, it was a milk bag that you'd used to put in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it was see-through and everything. And now I grew up like not on a farm, but I grew up in, you know, even you wouldn't call it country. It was a small town, but there was farms around and things like that. But I wasn't like, let's go ride a horse, dude. No, not at all. And I, I've seen horses, but yeah. I wasn't really, like, checking out horse junk. That shit is big. Okay, they're in line. <laughs> that shit is big. And, um, and I mean, there's... She couldn't necessarily wrap different parts of her body around it. And so there was a lot of hand and, and tongue motion. But when it came time, she wrapped the bag around it and then proceeded to drink from the bag. So that... That is what I was hoping you were going to Google. <laughs> I was hoping that when you were going to Google milk bag, maybe white, maybe sex something. Oh, I was really hoping. That's why I suggested you add farm <laughs> to your search. Because <laughs> I was really hoping that something like that would pop up and you'd go, oh my God, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and this is why we're not allowed out in public, folks. So thank you for tuning in for our last ever stream on Twitch. <laughs> it would have been hysterical. Oh, please. We've yeah, nobody's horses. listening. It's okay. <laughs> that would have been so funny. <laughs> Until she got fired by her boss. What the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> I don't know. 
Chris just looking for the golfing game and Price is right. <laughs> no, I've got pictures of Adam Sandler jerking off in front of me. What's going on? <laughs> Somebody's gonna have nightmares tonight. <laughs> oh god. So Oh god. <laughs> At one point I told Alicia, I told Vince, that's it. <laughs> this is on you. I can't. I Because <laughs> if I tell her, she'll never talk to me again. <laughs> I'm learning from past mistakes. <laughs> Thinking of that how innocent I, and leave her alone. That how I met your mother. That oh honey. <laughs> <laughs> they never knew her name. It was just honey. Oh honey. <laughs> we talk right. about the farm animal had the time of his life. Yeah, really. Those animals were damn happy. Are you kidding me? And I gotta tell you, they women folk looked like they were enjoying themselves too. All I can so. think of is that scene in Clerks too. I miss my donkey. <laughs> Yeah, poor horse. Yeah, that that horse was not complaining. Let me tell you that. <laughs> that was a happy horse. After he asked her if she had a cigarette, it was back in the day when cigarette smoking was more acceptable, even for horses. Jeez. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Uh, Might have been maple syrup involved with the pig. Oh, God. <laughs> so, wait a minute. They gave the pig an old King Clancy? <laughs> maple bacon. <laughs> why, do I, why do I have a feeling this has to do with that picture of the pig with the poop on its balls? Oh, God. We can see you later, Mocha. <laughs> like goddamn farm animals are in more action than I am. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, oh, he does. <laughs> but he's a chicken man. <laughs> he's like, he looks at Gonzo and he goes, I get you. That's a sexy chicken. Remember those cornfields we were going through last weekend? <laughs> you ever watch Midnight Run? <laughs> De Niro and what's his name? Yeah. <laughs> See those chickens? Nice chickens. You thinking about fucking those chickens? <laughs> oh, that was. <laughs> Thanks, Roger. <laughs> If he ever asks you to his place for chicken and stuffing, <gasps> say no! <laughs> Vince isn't stuffing normally made with bread. <laughs> and we've lost him. 
Oh, let me just get the milk bag out of the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Oh, God. Fuck you guys. Get your shit together. This is a perfect conversation to start with because the pain meds were making me really mellow. And I'm like, no, not for this episode. No. <laughs> Kick it into high gear before 7 o'clock. Uh, quick, let's throw a couple other buzzwords at him. Greg Land, Greg Land, son of a bitch. <laughs> Peter Molyneux. Uh, I pity him now. <laughs> I can't feel bad for that poor guy. Come on. What? Somebody wow. burst his You're enthusiasm bubble. He was doing all right. He was just like that old grandpa who tells stories that were never true. Nobody kills a grandpa. You take him out for burgers and beers and listen to stories. That was Peter. <laughs> now, if I just finished Fables... <laughs> <laughs> and you asked me that question, I would be answering way different. <laughs> yeah, but again, if you're, it's not like we they're idiots. You a new body. <laughs> the, the, it has four mini nukes. Why do I need four mini nukes? Because. Okay, I guess I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Fantastic Four? Yes. You better, a motherfucker, because you've made me read some horrible shit. <laughs> I have read horrible, horrible, <laughs> mind-altering shit for you. You better have watched Fantastic Four. And when Fantastic Four 2 comes out, you're watching that shit too. <laughs> Just prep in advance, buddy. <laughs> what I think is funny is the one time, like... I went in with the intention of us reading just a terrible, horrible comic. We ended up liking it. <laughs> Which one was that? I can't remember. Injustice. Oh, right. Oh, Christ, yeah. Did, the did, rest have just been like, uh, I don't know. Oh, wow, it's really bad. I, I, <laughs> and Justice, I went in expecting to hate it. And then you didn't, yeah. Oh, it's best thing DC's doing right now. I read the last two last night, coincidentally, mm-hmm. and because uh, I hadn't read, I was behind I two, but they come fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Harley is amazing. <laughs> Dude, Harley's character in Injustice is freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, this is. I was so disappointed when she died, but then when you see her later on, and she's in the boat going down, I'm going, "Oh, good, she's not gone. This is awesome." Because <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe, give me a test, please. Test one, two, one, two. Uh, how about a little bit more animated? So fuck that guy in particular. Okay, well that's almost your normal loudness, Vince. <laughs> you know how I know that. The Uberfax Twitter account is run by a man. But there's constant tweets about getting an extra hours of sleep increases a woman's likelihood of having sex with a partner the next day by 14%. And there's shit like that all the time. Like the benefits of drinking semen. And I'm going, oh, that pretty much sealed the deal there. We know who's writing this there, There's There's plenty of tells on that one, I think. But there's a whole crap load of these sex things. And it's like, my God, I knew that you were a guy, but just how old are you, buddy? Did you get like a fax book from grandma for Christmas one year and you try to make good on that? But also you kind of want to subconsciously affect how women think about sex with you. 
Now I'm thinking, damn, that would have been a good idea when I was a kid. <laughs> I did not say that. <sighs> okay, we still got a few minutes. Don't let me calm down. <laughs> You know what they need to do? They need to put Chrissy Golden on staff. Yeah, no, I agree. Big time. <laughs> like to the point of like you're now in charge of the writers. <laughs> what you say goes. Well, especially especially with Legion coming up, and they're going to be having Jaina as a potentially very pivotal character. I can't think of somebody better to write her than Christy Golden. Yep. Absolutely cannot think of somebody better. I feel that way about most things with her. That's fair, and I've met her. She's a she's a sweetheart too. Oh, dude! I'm, and she's she's a sweetheart and total geek. I absolutely love her. She's fantastic. Like, on that note, have either of you guys read the Hex book yet? No, I haven't. That I have. I'd to completely read. forgotten about it until just now. I remembered it initially when it was released, and I thought, okay, I got to read this. But then somebody made me read Terrible Comics, and I lost my train of thought. But yes, I have to read it. That and I got her clone. It's not like I made books. you read Terrible Comics every all week, right? the time. You prick. He sings a song about a pork and greens. He sings some blues about a New Orleans. You know it's gone, gone, gone. Jumping like a catfish on a board. Yeah. You know it's gone, gone, gone. The pack of chicken king Creole. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.